Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastalka, And man, do we have a special show for you today. I've got none other than Steve Rice from Dotcom Jungle up to, I don't know, he's up in the upper corner, the one that I'm not in. And then John, lay me down at the bottom from Lamy Consulting. And today we're going to be talking about driving business success with an advisory board. So we're going to be talking about a few things. And we were scheduled to have Scott Shumway here, but he had a, 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 a family thing that he needed to take care of. So we're going to go to alone with the three of us. But we've got some people in the uh, oh, we got some people asking Ray. Steve is wondering, Richard's wondering if this is the right place. Yes. We start at five minutes after the hour and that throws people off once in a while. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the meeting schedules that everybody runs today, it's, it's, uh, you can't start on the top of the hour usually. So, mm -hmm. well, it's awesome, awesome to get you guys on here. And we've worked on advisory boards before together. And, and it really is going to be fun for us to talk today a little bit about the benefits to advisory boards because I think, uh, you know, there's, as Steve, you can talk about too, is the difference between the different kinds of boards. And then um, we're going to talk a little bit about through the constituents or the people that you really want to get on a board and why why the small businesses might small to mid-sized businesses might really want to consider setting up an advisory board or or of some site. So, Steve, tell us a little bit. First of all, let's do some introductions. Steve, tell us a little bit about you, .com Jungle, and you got your hair good. Your yeah, hair great. Yeah, I got I got to comb mine. That's about all I have. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thanks for having me on, Damon. Good to see you, John. Sorry, Scott couldn't make it. Uh, my name's Steve Rice. I actually have three companies. Uh, I've got the Dotcom Jungle, which uh, we're a technology company. We help uh, manufacturers make and implement wise technology choices, uh, and that often includes uh, integrations with ERPs, integrations with HubSpot, maybe development of websites or uh, optimizing um, user experiences for many stakeholders it could be from the sales salespeople answering the phone all the way through to the dealer support team and dealers themselves uh then also this uh sr consulting which is where i do the advisory board stuff uh, and then john and i have an organization called the globally conscious leader that we're getting off the ground and we're trying to connect experienced uh manufacturing and supply chain uh folks with uh young up and coming, uh, aspiring leaders, uh, you know, in, as mentors. Um, so that's actually been very rewarding. It's more of a passion piece, um, trying to bring some leadership and understanding of circuit economy thinking to small manufacturers from the larger manufacturers. Um, yeah. should we let John introduce himself and then we'll go into yeah. some. Yeah, go talking. ahead. So John, tell us a bit about yourself. Okay. Um, John Lamey, uh, I was trained as an engineer and I worked in Silicon Valley for uh, 25 years as an engineering manager. 
I went back and got an MBA somewhere on the way and uh, changed hats to be a consultant. And I've been doing that now for about 15 years. Uh, I love it. Um, let's see. I have a wife and a kid and a grandkid. Uh, and I, we, had, we just came off of an experience with the uh, advisory board, the, the three of us plus uh, Scott Chumway. And so I'm eager to talk about what I think the benefit to the company uh, was and could be. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, that's that's enough for me for right now. Just kind of well, I always like John. John is so so uh, mild mannered because he's got. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. You got an electrical engineering degree and an MBA from MIT or something like that. And mm-hmm. Cornell, and then, Cornell, Cornell. For the MBA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. MIT, so, MIT so, for the undergrad. Yeah, MIT for the Cornell. And then you're the only person that I've ever talked to in my life that that met Hewlett and Packard. I mean, I still think that that is that is uh, that is cool as heck, man. You know, so. somebody else yesterday we were I brought that up and they were like amazed. And I told a story. I may wind up telling the story again here on on the, yeah uh, of the interchange with Bill Hewlett one time. Those yeah. were remarkable guys. Absolutely yeah. remarkable guys. Yeah. Well, and then Steve, Steve up in the up in the upper corner there. I mean, you with your father and then yourself virtually grew up at the outdoor industry. First with your father and him doing really starting. Correct me if I'm wrong. Fishing videos uh, and and TV production in the in the U.S. And then you continuing on on your outdoors. I mean, you were a, a, a fishing guide in Alaska. You're a climbing guide. You're still an active climber. You've been in the outdoor clothing industry for uh, for a number of years until until you uh, started .com Jungle and and your SR Consulting and the other things you're doing now. So talk a little bit about that. Uh, well, yeah. So. Um... Well, I was fortunate. My, my dad didn't invent bass fishing and, you know, he didn't invent TV shows, but he was a <laughs> sports fishing writer for the largest publication on the West Coast for fishing and bass fishing. And, and he was one of the people who helped invent bass fishing as a sport as we know it. Uh, so I, I grew up driving across the United States going bass fishing and sitting in the back of the boat with some of the best bass fishermen uh, in the world, literally. Um, ones that ended up, um, you know, actually having their own fishing shows in the seventies and eighties, things like that. It was pretty fun. Um, and like you said, I ended up being a, a fishing guide in Alaska, rock climbing, mountaineering instructor. Um, I have been in the outdoor industry, uh, my whole life, um, even including with, with dot-com jungle, you know, uh, we've been working with specialty outdoor retailers, uh, on the manufacturing, uh, optimization side, you know, uh, and uh, as well as retailers, I actually owned uh, the same outdoor store that I worked for and then I owned in the teens for a while. Um, so super passionate about the outdoors, super passionate about that sector, uh, super proud about, um, you know, where that industry is going in terms of being uh, leaders in circular economy thinking and, um, and other ESG kind of things. And so... Um, yeah, so my, my background comes from there, but then I end up in this technology area, uh, which just kind of suits me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's cool. I, I could get distracted on that for quite a while because I think it's it's interesting as heck some of your stories about the people that you met and the, uh, the situations that you're just in as a kid 
going across mm-hmm. the U.S. and and you know as your as your father was inventing the sport of bass fishing rather than the hobby of bass fishing. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that might be a little bit much to say that he invented it. He he was yeah, just yeah. there at the beginning. And, he was, he was there know. in the uh, yeah 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 <laughs> help help to help to help to foster it. I'll say that. Yeah. So, yeah. Damon, tell, tell us some one story, too. We, we've told little stories. You tell us one little thing that nobody else has ever heard before that watches your show. About me? Yeah. Some cool thing. Uh, well, I've I put over 100,000 miles on motorcycles. I've driven, I've, driven, I've driven a fair amount up and down the West Coast, pretty much. Um, I haven't done the Four Corners in the United States. I haven't driven to Alaska yet. But uh, those are the kind of things I do. But there what kind are, of bike uh, you got right now? What's your ride? I don't have one right now, actually. Oh. I'm getting one. I'm, I'm in the process of getting another one. But I had a K1200 BMW that I put the most miles on because it's just easy to put miles on with them. But when you talk about the places where we live and, and especially down where you guys live, you know, you go up to Crater Lake. You go in Northern California and there's a there's a road from Redding, California that goes to the coast the the 101 in southern oregon and go down that a ways you know and then you you get into the the western oregon idaho you know you can go to hell's canyon you can go through yellowstone you can go into wyoming and that's where i've done a lot of riding and up in northern montana and in idaho and stuff so it's just this is a great part of the united states to really be in and um it's you know, when you can you can go up to the backside of, of Mount St. Helens and look in there, you know, I don't know if you either of you have been up that road before, but it's it's an it's an incredible drive when you just to get up there. And then wow. it's just awe inspiring when you see there's no trees there yet. And mm. the fact yeah. that there's still logs in the lake. Mm. Yeah, it's been 40 years. It's been 40 years. Yeah. I, it's I just I just feel blessed that I've been able to ride a motorcycle like that and 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 really have fun with it. But you know my 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 escapades were you know really more in the manufacturing space and being able to, um, you know from my from a younger age I was fortunate to be in a, a fast growing injection molding company and mm-hmm. I was I think I was still in college the first time I helped to design and design the build out for a, an injection molding facility. And then by the time I was in my late 20s, I was able to build a greenfield site in Tennessee and go down and run that for a number of years. And and that was my my way into manufacturing. And really, I've always had a love for building building manufacturing businesses and 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 taking a taking a huge manufacturing facility and and looking at it like a a puzzle and figuring out how stuff flows through it easier. It's, it's fun. I don't do it a lot anymore, but I think that's fun. So that's me. Cool. But, and, nice. and now, now with the exit your way, we get to, I get to help business owners grow their businesses, get them running right, you know, from a strategic level. And and then when they're ready, we, uh, we help them sell or succeed their business, whatever they want to do at that point, mm-hmm. but get it to the value they need and running like they need it to be. So today we're going to be, it's, it's good today because we're going to get to talk about advisory boards. And I think advisory boards are an, an often overlooked mm-hmm. potential advantage for small to mid-sized businesses. So Steve, can you, 
kind of in a in a few few words for a few minutes talk a little bit about your thoughts in the situations where you've been where you've seen advisory boards <laughs> effectively help the ownership and executive teams to run the businesses better sure and i think you know part of the the story that i tell is that um as i've worked with manufacturers of you know varying sizes there's often this um i don't know preconceived notion that third-party vendors are outside your company and you're inside and you've got a brain trust. Uh, and I think as I've watched businesses become a little more sophisticated, um, what my experience is I've, I've watched them actually invite me and my teams in more as advisory, uh, as advisors, as well as people who do the work. You know, Initially we were just people who did the work, um, but you, you can't do the work, the good work for very long um, without actually knowing why you're doing it. Yeah, um, and it's a uh, good point. It's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think a lot of um, a lot of companies, you know, you, you can look at big big um, corporations. They have boards of directors, which are you know large or, or not large, but they're complicated legal governing bodies. And there's a lot of laws around being a board of directors, and there's a lot of reasons uh, why a company would want one. And a lot of a lot of smaller companies think well that's not us that's beyond us that's yeah. that's what other people do um and uh, in reality having an advisory board or an advisory council uh that's outside your company can dramatically increase the uh, the um uh shoot like the knowledge base that, is what but, i think is. yes yes but uh creativity is what i was looking for uh, like inside the building, you know, yeah. if you're if you're looking for people to collaborate and come up with new ideas, mm -hmm. um, you need ideas from the outside. And, uh, you know, having people from the outside on an advisory board or an advisory council uh, gives you uh, types of views into your business that you're not going to get from the inside. And it doesn't matter how smart uh, the people are. Right. Um, so. <laughs> and, um, and I've also found that uh, having uh, an advisory council uh, helps you identify gaps in your corporation. You know, mm -hmm. um, we, one of the organizations that we currently worked with, you know, they were sort of missing an entire management team. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, an advisory council can also, also act as a, uh, you know, fractional replacement for people when they come and go, you might yep. have a CTO leave for a while and having an advisory board in place uh, actually provides that uh, some continuity. Um, and I think the conventional wisdom uh, in historically is that if you want to have institutional knowledge stay with your company, you need to have employees that stick around. And I think what's actually true is a lot of institutional knowledge these days is actually stored by third party vendors who stick around when employees come and go and retrain people when they come and go. Advisory board can do the exact same thing, but it can do it all the way up to the executive level. Mm -hmm. so, that is a great a point. So that, that, those are great points. So, John, what are your thoughts on this? Well, let me just uh, kind of fill in a little bit. I, I think Steve pretty much covered it there. But I worked for a couple of years out of my MBA program when I was done there uh, for a, a boutique consulting firm back in New York. And uh, we would have long engagements, but we would not allow them to go more than a year. And I... You know, I was new to the company. I said, what the heck? Why not? Because you go native was the yep. term. 
you go native, even as a consultant, an outside guy, uh, meaning that the value we brought was definitely as an outsider. And that's that's kind of the point Steve's making here. Yeah. But I'll just use another term that, that I'm pretty sure applies. There are blind spots. Even the yeah. very smartest of, of C-suite folks uh, has a bias, has um, things that they just don't perceive that are going on, uh, that they don't frame the questions quite right. Uh, they will pose something as an either or that is actually not. Um, that kind of thing. So it's the framing and the big picture stuff as, as much as also the detail. Uh, and then I watched uh, in this last engagement we did, I watched uh, Damon bring a uh, dashboard. Uh, everybody worked on it, but Damon kind of drove that, that enabled them to make quick but accurate uh, and insightful decisions and uh, inferences. They wouldn't have thought of that, I don't think. They might have, but the actual structure of it, the way it went together, no, sorry. So that outside look is really critical. And then I'll throw in one other dimension. You say, okay, fine, I'll bring, I'll bring in a consultant. Well, by having like the four of us on this last engagement, we also triggered each other. Uh, I like to think it was like a nuclear reaction. We had um, these particles bouncing around and, and uh, Steve would say something that would hit my brain uh, and I'd go, oh, let's, let's try that. And so we had a little creativity thing going and we were pretty intimate with the CEO. So he was part of that uh, whole deal. Uh, that creativity from having it be a more, more than one person thing. Uh, I, I was really impressed with that. I think you're bringing up some good points, both of you here in that, um, the outside ideas and identifying gaps. I mean, that's definitely something that that is is part of the board because you just don't know what you don't know. And and really, mm -hmm. in in most ownership and executive teams, they know what they know. They got and and this that's really let's be honest. They, unless you somehow professionally decided you were going to be a business owner and you went to school to be a business owner and you went off and do it and you have all this education in the, and experience and something, you really that's a one out of a very few percentage of business owners that do it. Usually they got in business because it was either forced or they just saw an opportunity and jumped into something. And now I'm doing this, whereas uh, I wasn't doing something else before. And they don't understand all of the things that the boards can, you know, board can help you to, to understand. Cause when you look at the board and the constituents that you really want in an advisory board, I mean, you have kind of have to look at where your company is today and go, do I need it in sales? Do I need advisory help in technology or human capital or the industry I'm in? Do I need to understand my industry better or in operations or finance and really put that together? Uh, it, put your board together uh, you know, appropriately around where your business is today and where you want it to go. So back again to that, what are your guys' thoughts on, on really understanding that because I agree 100% with what you're saying, Steve and John, about the third-party perspective and how consultants now and coaches are used. I think they're used much differently than they were before, but they can be even more valuable if you're bringing them in at that advisory level as well. Mm -hmm. So what are your I thoughts around adjusting it, the boards, 
to really what your company needs at this point in time, rather than I'm going to get somebody from these areas and doing that. Yeah, I think uh, you sort of answered the question by asking the question. Um, I think it's important to back up and just say like an advisory board is really just a, a structured and collaborative method for organizations to engage with external advisors. Uh, and, you know, what I would like to point out to, to companies out there, whether you're a manufacturer or not, your advisory board should be uh, a fluid and dynamic entity. And because you, you might need uh, an ESG person today, uh, but you might not need them in six months, um, mm -hmm. likely as you need them all the time. And, but but um, you don't also you don't have to have everybody there or all the time, you know. So yeah, um, it lowers the risk in in your mind. I think if you think I got to have you know these eight you know categories, and I have to have them filled with somebody all the time. Um, one, that's just not true because mm -hmm. um, advisors can can come in. There, there's something at any time, there's something to be said for continuity. Um, and I suspect that there's certain types of advisors that will be more continuous than others, especially in manufacturing. You're going to want someone who understands one piece flow and throughput accounting and the theory of constraints yeah. and lean manufacturing, and you know, because they're going to be invaluable all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. And I would make the case too uh, that you need someone with an understanding of, of manufacturing accounting and not just uh, accounting. Um, mm -hmm. and like the dashboards you mentioned, you know, I don't want to keep plugging Damon, but those kind of dashboards, well, maybe I do want to keep plugging Damon, but it's not really, the conversation is not really about what we do, but what, what you can accomplish. Yeah. If you have someone who's providing you a different view into your finances and into your sales, uh, and into your contributed margin that you're delivering every week or every month through your manufacturing process, you have a piece of information mm -hmm. that. I'm going to say that 95% of manufacturers don't have that. Uh, and because um, they're, they're kind of just like working on a, a almost like a FIFO cash uh, yeah. program. Mm -hmm. You know, do I have enough to do it? I'll do it. If not, we're going to, we're going to cut marketing because we didn't sell enough. And that's, that's yeah. not how you, you, you run a business. So if we back yeah. up, you know, once again, I want to say like the main responsibility of an advisory board is really two: it's strategic guidance, and monitoring and accountability. And from that, and that that's just counselor stuff. Yeah. From that comes actual actions that have to be taken by somebody, which would be like defining reporting needs, uh, possibly some one-on-one uh, -on -one executive mentoring, because usually there's cultural issues. Yep. Um, you know, so team development and culture development come from that. Um, with and, and I'll say like the, the outcomes that you're really looking for are one you know, more profitability, but you want to, you're trying to break the walls of, uh, I call it the accidental know-it-alls, you know, the, the internal echo chambers, mm -hmm. um, that can sort of lead to a, a stagnant work environment and a corporate culture that can keep full, uh, and that, that sort of lacks vision, you know, accidentally. So, uh, those are the main things I would say about an advisory board, sort of from the top down in a couple of different layers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what do you I'll, think, John? Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna keep just kind of keep going down that road. Um, recently, within the last uh, month or so, Steve and I have run across. Oh, there's Steve's dog going out the door. So. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> <That's> Hunter. <laughs> um, 
something that's looming up on the horizon very seriously and uh, larger companies seem to know about this and some smaller companies uh, know about it. Uh, sustainability response to the global imperative uh, that and the idea of having uh, an advisory board that can help with that uh, to get you started because many folks don't have the, a clue about that. But before you know it, you're going to be facing uh, regulations, requirements, mm -hmm. laws that are going to say um, you can't extract fossil fuels anymore if you happen to be an oil company. Uh, something along those lines. It may just be a market-driven thing. But like here in Oregon, our entire electric grid will be uh, renewable by, I think, 2035. Right now, it's at about 40%. So that affects a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to respond to that? Well, if you have an advisory board, like the, the four of us that we had on this last one that we just finished not too long ago, uh, we, we would be able to cobble something together that would almost be the equivalent of a chief sustainability officer uh, pro tem, you know, just mm -hmm. for, a, for a while. And, and at least start getting a carbon footprint measured getting some kind of accountability in place, um, figuring out things to do that we're going to improve the carbon footprint, all that kind of thing uh, that I think is pretty hard to, pretty hard to do. So it, just thinking about the experts that you have, uh, that, that'd be another one that, that may fit in there. Well, and you, you bring up a great point and it's, uh, and this is, that's a specific example. I think if you, in a small to mid-sized business that your advisory board should be able to do. And Steve, I believe you mentioned this earlier. It's like, if you need a chief security officer or chief mm -hmm. revenue officer or an operation to, uh, COO uh, for a moment uh, until you, you bring somebody else or somebody leaves or whatever happens, you can, you can a, maybe someone on your advisory board can help fractionally for a little bit and, and help that mm -hmm. and, and really keep you going when you need to keep going. And the other thing I think that is, is often overlooked is the power of the advisory boards to be able to draw upon their network, the people that are within their circle that are outside of the circles of the business owners and the executive teams themselves. Because as I saw on the last time that we were working together, I mean, it was an industry thing where Steve had knowledge in the industry and you were able to really draw upon a lot of things outside of the business from the industry to help that business. Uh, you know, when it came to industry knowledge, when it came to potential people to hire and, and just a lot of things like that, that your advisory board can bring. So uh, for example, if you needed someone you know, you needed other leadership resources, John, you may have some really good sources for the company that would fit their exact need by, because of your experience in, in helping companies with organizational leadership. And mm -hmm. that's a, that's one of the things that I think about a lot when I think of boards and I think of the boards that I've been involved in in the past is there's some of these people that are sitting on the boards and, and you have some really tough challenges in your company. And they go, well, I know somebody that can help with that. Or I've been in that situation before. And that kind of value is, is really, um, you, you really can't calculate it in a lot of, a lot of sense, because when it's right there already, you can, you can make things happen faster. So Steve, as you, as you consider these, 
advisory boards, you mentioned this a little bit. There are differences. Now, some people think of an advisory board, they may think of board of directors. And other. Can, can you just so we understand this a little bit, the difference between an advisory board and, and a board of directors? Yeah. Well, a, a board of directors is actually a legal entity. And members of boards of directors have a fiduciary responsibility to the company. And they actually have to disclose, legally disclose uh, conflicts of interest and things like that. And so there's a, there's a lot of responsibility from a legal standpoint that comes with both for the members of the board and for the company that has boards of directors. Um, so it, it's a legal thing that is often very difficult to set up and it can be expensive. Um, and that it puts that out of the reach of most small to medium businesses, SMBs. Yeah. So, SMBs. Um, yeah. Um, but it, you know, an advisory board is just a group of consultants, essentially. Call it, I, I would prefer experts because you have subject matter experts. SMEs is another uh, acronym. Everything's got to have three letter acronyms. Uh, in fact, you can start calling me just SFR for the, that's my new. There we go. But, uh, anyway, um, so, so if, if, if you're working on an advisory board with a company, you're the subject matter expert for something, uh, for some things, uh, you know, in, in my case, I have this sort of like overarching technical architecture experience that allows me to sort of look across a business at all the different pieces of technology and how humans interact with them. Um, but I also have, you know, project management experience and leadership training experience that sort of allows me to be sort of the subject matter expert for uh, bo the board team management and um, and what the projects are that come out of that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so with inside a board of directors, there, there's usually for something more legal like a board, you have you have boards of directors for corporations. Um, and you know, they, they, they can't be involved in the day-to-day -day workings of that corporation. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're on a nonprofit, you have several different types of board members. And oftentimes the re you, you either have board members on there because you want their money and their connections, mm -hmm. which is one way of having a nonprofit board, or you actually want your constituents on, on the board. For instance, if you're, if you're a nonprofit that works in, um, you know, field work for AIDS uh, patients, um, you know, and you want, you want, you want a lot of money so you can do that. You might actually have a board of directors that has people who can fundraise and who are going to donate a lot of money. They don't get paid yep. to do it. Um, but you might also decide to have a board of directors that actually has field workers, nurses and, and doctors and, and even patients that are, uh, you know, mm -hmm. on the street, so to speak, as board members to give you feedback on what you're actually doing because you're creating community outreach programs. So those are two different types of boards as well. Mm -hmm. um, with the advisory board, the nice thing about that, there's none of that, the, the legal obligation. And um, what you're looking for is the right kind of mix for your company. That's what I'm looking for. I, I get hired to advise executives on how to run their business. And, and oftentimes, some of the things that we come up with is actually, you know, you need someone who is really good at strategic planning. And that's not actually my forte. It happens to be John Lamy's forte. Um, and if you need financial planning, that's also not my forte. That's why I called you, uh, Damon, in that one particular instance. 
And, uh, but uh, my forte, I, I work really well with companies who have a really good strategic plan and understand what their finances are uh, because I have teams of people who can actually execute and I understand what that execution looks like and how it relates to the, the human interaction, the stakeholder interaction with all the systems, you know, so the whole people processes and systems that you hear on TV when you, uh, I don't know, was it Shark Tank or one of those the TV shows? Yes. Um, so, yes. so I think I described the difference between a, a board, you know, board of directors and an advisory board. Um, and I think there's different types of advisory boards. Um, I mentioned that, you know, there are councils that, you know, it's one, it's one thing to be a counselor, which I think is the main purpose of an advisory board. You're a, you're a counselor. Yes. Um, sometimes you're a therapist too, uh, mm-hmm. but you're, yeah. you're looking to guide the company in its overall overarching strategy. Um, if, if work needs to be done, uh, in those upper management levels around organization and systems, that's a, an additional piece that can happen. Uh, but that can also work its way down into actually having an advisor right on the floor. Uh, you know, if you, you know, talk about experts, we mentioned Scott Shumway, who couldn't be here today. Yeah. You know, if you are trying to figure out how to set up a factory in Mexico to sew garments, um, or you're having a problem switching from one garment to another on your production floor, and you don't understand one flow in the theory of constraints, he's going to be a great advisor, but you also want him standing on your sewing floor for at least a week, if not longer, talking to people and showing them how to do it right. So mm-hmm. the advisory board can have a lot more uh, reach into your company and be a lot more effective. Yes. And that's, yep. that's the thing that you can keep with the advisory board. It's like you have an extra set of eyes, You like you were saying earlier, that brings out time perspective to help identify those gaps that you may not even know or the blind spots, as, as uh, John was talking about, too. I mean, when you look at it, the you know what you know. That's really the, the, the thing that we talk about in, in a lot of small to mid-sized businesses is that you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. And those blind spots are the things that can, over time, can really cause the downfall in the business. And I think as you look at it, the advisory board part of it is something where if you put the pieces together right, you can continue to drive long-term success with your business uh, because you do have those those resources available to you. So... As, as oh, you're talking, go ahead, John. Let me weigh in with one of the things uh, that just, uh, Steve was talking about the difference between an advisory board and a board of directors. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing that happens. Uh, it's not really excluded from what a board of directors can do, but it's just not kosher. It's not typically done. And it's this, that uh, almost every company, at least everyone I've ever worked with, frankly, there are people problems. You know, yeah. there, there are, uh, you mentioned the word psychologist or therapist. I don't know. There, there just are. Uh, and I think it's a little awkward for the directors to uh, intervene on that. But I think it, it feels so natural to have an advisory board uh, try very gingerly and very carefully and cautiously to get into that and to uh, help the C-suite or the CEO uh, see how much that's hurting them because it can be hurting them pretty bad. And they kind of know it, but uh, help verbalize it. And this is where facilitation more than dictation comes in. You, you, you'd, you'd say, well, uh, 
Damon, how, how's your relationship with Steve? You know, do you, do you guys ever go out and get a beer together? Well, no, I, you know, we just don't click. That. Oh, you, you don't click? Why, why do you say you don't click? And then you, got, you kind of go from there. Um, I think now we, we didn't actually have that in this last go around, but uh, uh, I think that's something where there can be a huge, a huge amount of help. And I say we didn't. We actually had some of that, and people got moved around a little bit uh, based on it. So I think that's another uh, another difference between the two, and another real plus for for doing something like this because those things are just tough. Well, and I think you brought up one thing when you're when I was sitting here thinking about what you're saying and the approach to this. And really, I think that if you're setting your board up right, you are essentially going to be able to get some mentorship from board members because mm -hmm. you know advisory boards aren't here to dictate by any means yeah. uh and that's they're not here to tell you you know how to do what to do they're really to help the people within the company the ownership and the executive teams to find their way right. based on the guidance that you're helping you know the questions you're asking helping them to find the solutions themselves by by helping guide them there and yep. that's that's a big point because i don't think that you should ever expect that your advisory board is going to fix systematic things that you as a owner executive team need to take care of yep for sure uh, that's where the advisory board has to just learn to ask questions be sincerely interested to be sincerely curious uh and then, and then just provide some guidance on, on the questions. And, and yeah, you weigh in occasionally because you do have a lot of experience, but uh, boy, the ability to ask questions and to have people uh, kind of emerge their own insights is just, it's critical. Yeah. yeah I was going to say that, you know, the advisory board is more likely to uncover those systematic things and bring them to light. Um, yeah. Other people might be aware of them. Uh, usually, the employees are fully aware of them, and the upper management yeah. might not, because they, you know, intentionally or uh, wh however that works, don't want to know about it, or they think that's just the way the dynamic is. And since they're in a position of power and don't have a reason to change, they don't. But um, you know, an, an advisory council, advisory board, um, provides that objective look all the way up to the executive level. And I think it's really important that that they're, they be given the authority to speak or take the authority to speak plainly to executives who uh, might be causing their own problems. You know, mm -hmm. um, the, the best executives, when something goes wrong, ask themselves, what, what did I do mm -hmm. to uh, help create this problem and what could I have done better? Um, and they also allow their their employees at all levels to make mistakes and learn from them. Uh, so, yeah. um, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, well, you know, I was, I was going to change the topic a little bit if that's okay. And, yeah. and just address there's two, there's two things I think, uh, I hear from, uh, folks about why they don't want a board, you know, and oh, one of them point. is usually about cost, you know, yeah. uh, oh, you know, that costs a lot of money. Yeah. Oh yeah. It does cost money. Um, the other one is that like, if we bring too many people in, it just gets difficult to make decisions. And that's also true. Ah, um, great points. 
Yeah. And uh, I think what's 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 really true that we tend to forget is that uh, diversity of thought uh, on matters of importance usually makes it more difficult to come to a consensus. And, you know, the flip side to that is when you when a decision is reached, it's far more likely to be well informed to be a better decision for the company. So um, I, I would caution people to be worried about how difficult something is um, and have them think about it in this other respect that like, yeah, actually, if we, we get people that don't agree with me, then that's going to be more challenging and I'm going to get something out of it that's better and my company is going to get something out of it that's better than if I had that echo chamber. Because um, that's the, the other side of, of that not getting that diversity is echo chamber and stagnancy. I think. Um, mm-hmm. And then when it when it comes to cost, you know, C-suite executives are expensive. You can't get a C-suite executive for under six figures. And, and depending on the size of your company, you might be paying even a small company, uh, you know, 40, 60 million, you might be paying $200,000, $250,000 for a, oh, yeah. a CEO, yeah. you know, and you'd be lucky to find uh, any CMO who even wants to work for you for under a hundred and a quarter or 150. Yeah. Just, ballpark numbers, you know? Yeah. And what I like to tell companies is, is, you know, whatever your base range is, your average range for those C-suite folks, you can get a really good advisory board with four to six people on it uh, who meet once a month and provide high level uh, direction and mentoring for everybody for roughly half the cost of whatever your average executive, um, you know, pay is. And when you think about it like that, it's kind of a steal, you know, like you get a brain trust of four to six individuals who have probably a combined 240 years of experience uh, for half the cost of an executive. Um, yeah. When you budget that in, it's a, it's a no brainer. Yeah. That is a great, great points because I think you're right. A lot of people look at it and look at costs and go, Oh, it's going to cost. But you do get this brain trust. You do have this the these these experienced people that can can provide you, you know, multiple re- amounts of return on that. But I and not and my my thing is is I don't think if if you got a business that's just lumping along and you're not trying to grow or you don't have things that you really want to do, I don't think an advisory board's for you. I mean, I mm. do it to do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, don't don't waste your waste your time. But if you're out there and you want your business, you know, you want to turn around the results of your business. You want to really, you know, take over a new market. You have some some initiatives that you really want to do or aggressive growth plans. That's where this this pays off in, you know, exponentially almost because of what you said, that experience level you get and the the uh, guidance and mentorship that comes from that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you want cross fertilization between your silos and disciplines that leads to more innovation, um, you know, in technology and management, um, you need, you need to hire new people, right? And yeah. You can advise your board is a way to do that, but having to actually hire six people at $120,000 a year, you can get six people for $65,000 a year or 70,000 a year in advisory capacity. And if yeah. you just want to optimize like 5% of your business inside your manufacturing facility, like by all means, just go talk to your operations guy and, you know, 
implement a little bit of lean stuff or something. But if, yeah. if you really want to have an innovative, interesting company, um, you need to have uh, an innovative and interesting brain trust that's helping you move in the directions that you want to go and providing feedback and allowing people to be super innovative and fail. You know, you're, you're going to mm -hmm. fail five times out of six, which is probably conservative. Maybe it's nine out of 10. Yes. And uh, people need to do that. They need to be able to fail. They need to be able to learn uh, and they need to be able to grow. Um, and you need to be able to identify the failures fast and, and capitalize on the successes fast. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think that explains it very well, Steve, because it is, it is this, this thing where you get this, this experience level, this guidance and mentorship that you, for a fraction of the cost that you, or you would never, I mean, let's face it in most businesses, you're not going to go out and do that uh, anytime really and get the kind of ex the the kind of uh business boost you can from having those people on that once a month basis to be able to really go through if you're preparing right and you're ready for those board meetings and you're giving them the right information and ask as the business executive team you're asking the right questions of your board that's how you really extract the, the most value from them mm -hmm. exactly and so as you're as you're thinking about this, what are some of the areas where situations where you think that someone might really want to take a step back and really think about how a board could could help them? Mm -hmm. uh, did yeah, you want to that, John? I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'll jump in with uh, some kind of uh, low hanging fruit that way. Uh, and from having watched our friend Scott somewhere that's not here right now, I would start with lean. I would start with uh, manufacturing process, uh, theory of constraints. Uh, now, it could be that uh, the company has that already. And if they do, great. They don't need it at all. But um, to, to get that in there uh, is a pretty big deal to get that right. Um, it's non-trivial. I was a quality manager at HP for uh, three years, and uh, it's it, there's a lot to it. There's you know, and they talk about Six Sigma, uh, all that kind of thing, and then just watching uh, Scott with this last client and and how you have to be there, you have to be on the floor, and watch what's going on. Uh, huge, huge area. That's one. Another one is this thing I mentioned a minute ago, but. Uh, the dashboard that the uh, CEO uses to run the business, uh, which variables are going to go into it, which uh, metric is going to pop out of it. Uh, that that was a huge benefit for this, this client. Uh, so this is called the financial dashboard. But the thing we learned there is uh, you can have a CPA. Most small companies don't have a real um, high horsepower uh, finance person. They usually hire out a, uh, a contracted CPA. Uh, that person is going to be great for um, FASB type reporting and getting the taxes done. But for uh, management accounting, for actually making decisions, it's a different deal. It's a different deal. It's not it's not FASB. It's not it's not um, kind of government oriented at all. Yeah. So uh, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, 
So there's there's two. A, a third one that comes to mind is uh, some of the stuff that I did with this fellow, and that that is how to just set the organization up. Uh, he had about fifty people in his company, I think, and uh, we said, "Well, can we take a look at your org chart?" And he said, "What?" And uh, a lot of people, I've seen this almost as often as not. Uh, they they say, "Well, we we see each other every day. We don't need to have staff meetings. We don't need an org yes. chart. Yes. Why, why, why you know why why complicate life?" And you find out that a people don't really know who their boss is. B they don't know exactly what they're supposed to do, and when they're doing a good job at it, uh, and or maybe they're not supposed to do it. Somebody else is, and they run around like crazy, like hair on fire. Um, it, it's just amazing how how that works. And you'll say, or another company I work with said, "Do you have an org chart?" Yeah, 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 we got one. And the other guy in the room said. Uh, Heather, uh, we don't. Well, she, yeah, she said, we, it's on the blackboard in there, you know, well, yeah, mm -hmm. no, they think they do, but they don't. So to yeah. get that right, just the, and here I am an engineer, I'm used to working with wires and transistors and they, they, um, I, I do that. I do yeah. that kind of work and I, I, I facilitate it in that I say, well, what work needs doing here? What, what are the tasks that we have to do? Who's supposed to do that? And then, blah 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 how do you how do you get that set up and it's a very very interesting exercise uh and i think it has an enormous amount of value well you're helping so, to define you're defining the roles in the organization and i think this is exactly. it comes it comes back again what you're explaining is exactly you know the the overall what we we're talking about today is how these boards can really help you bring up these blind spots because yep. You, if you're if you're in this every day, you don't understand that you've got a blind spot in that. I don't know what Susan is doing over here. Susan really doesn't know what she's doing. She can't doesn't know what the measure of a success. She doesn't have a good measure of success. She doesn't, you know, she's been doing what she think is right, but it, is it really what the organization needs? Because we haven't taken the time to really understand all the roles that we need filled, and then fill them with the people that that are in our organization or that we need to get in the organization. Yep. And, and when you look at this, I think the board advantage and the, in the opportunities for boards are really around things like if you're going to go into an extreme growth mode, or you have another, another industry that you're going to, to target, to bring in the expertise of how do we do this? And you're talking about what I, I like to um, uh, just, I call it like the organizational development or cultural development of the, or, uh, right. of the business is really to go, okay, our culture is, is not what we want it to be. That's something that's really hard for internally for people to fix right. or right. to see, you know, or see. even see, even to see. Yep. Um, yep. And then, and then when you look at Steve and the kind of things that you do with technology, it's like technology is so slippery and multidimensional that, it's it's one of these things that there are so many options to do a, do a certain way or run your business. What are some of the best ways? What re really is the best for this application? And when you're talking about and, and even back again for what you were talking about with Scott and in operations, you know how should we how can we be more efficient? Because we've we've and these are words that I 
I just, just chalkboard, fingernails on chalkboard. We've always done it this way. And they don't know the other ways to do it. You know, with these, these board, these advisory boards, this kind of talent you can bring in can really leverage their knowledge and move these, these situations forward. And I look at it from the ownership perspective. And I think that, you know, culture, you know, your, your efficiencies, things like technology. And then Steve, the, the, a lot of things that you do is really helping the CEO slash owners understand their role and, and do that. Cause that's, that's a time as, as these businesses go through the stages, the ownership role or the, the executive roles have to change with it. And then, and mm -hmm. you know, when business is small, the owner can do this. When it's a little bit bigger, they have to change. When it gets even bigger, they have to change again. And the help that strategic advisor you're providing to that highest level uh, executive in the business keeps their keeps their sanity a little bit more hopefully uh but gives them a roadmap because it's a place they haven't been yeah exactly so. think about the way most manufacturers start is there's a you know a gal who made something with her hands uh and thought it was really cool and then thought hey if i make 10 of these i can make money if i make 100 i can make more and if i make a thousand i can make more uh five years later she's not making things with her hands anymore she's the president of a company that's doing just say a modest two million dollar something uh, in you know 18 employees maybe was a uh i don't know psychology major uh at Willamette university yeah. and never thought that she'd be doing this uh might have some leadership skills that uh you know definitely does they always do but doesn't have mm -hmm. them all then certainly probably doesn't understand business the way that she should. And, um, you know, there's, I remember years ago, um, one of the people that I had the good fortune of being an employee of was, was himself employee number 49 at Microsoft. And he retired when he was 41, moved to the Rogue Valley when I was like 20 or was something and opened an outdoor store. And that's where I, I worked. But one of the things he said is, is every time it was just an aside too. every time a company doubles in size it has to change how it does everything yep and uh i don't know why that particularly stuck but i've found it to be true you know and uh when you're three million you do stuff different than when you're six and you do something different at 13 million as well um you won't find a lot of companies that are in you know three to six million that have a suite of c-suite executives um and at eight million, you might they might have a few, but mostly maybe they'll have a president of operations, uh, and a CEO and a CMO. And it's you know I, I realize these are like rules that can be broken because there's no you know static rule that can be applied mm -hmm. here. But you know it definitely like a sixty million dollar company uh, needs an executive that provides direction, doesn't micromanage, uh, supports a culture. Uh, a sustainable culture of um, accountability and honesty, which is very difficult to do, um, and lets people take ownership and have agency inside their departments. And at three million, you don't have to have that at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the founders aren't necessarily always the best people to be executives, and like you said, they so they have to grow. Um, yeah. An advisory board is a way to do that. It's, and I think it's a. It's um, it's not used enough. Yeah, there's there's a lot of companies 
uh, you know, in that six twenty million dollar range, who end up having an advisory board when they're ninety million. But if they'd have had it when they were twelve, uh, they would have saved themselves a lot of pain and suffering, and there would have been a lot more learning. There would have been a lot more collaboration. The company would have been a lot more fun to work for. There'd have been less turnover. Um, there's a lot of you know all those sort of frustrating things that you know about if you've ever run a business or or been in business that wasn't well. Um, yeah. You can mitigate a lot of that. We're just talking about mitigating risk. Yeah. You know, uh, the, well, the main risk of running a business is that you don't know what you don't know. Amen. There you go. That's it. That's All right. it. Mic it's, yeah. We just dropped a mic right there because, you know, and, and in the work that I'm doing at the, at the, when owners get their business to the size they want, you know, one of the key things that they have to have is if I want to exit my business, I can't be the value in the business. You know, I can't oh. be the brains in the business. So what you're talking about, and and it really helps us because what we try to do with owners when the business gets, as you get closer to the time that your business is going to sell, you need to be more and more of an advisory board member. You don't need to be, you can't be a direct part of that business if you really want to maximize the value of the sale of your business because you just, you know, if you're going to sell your business and you're all the value, you're not going to get nearly as much money as if you have a, a, a team that can do it. And when you, you talked about the different size in business, when you have a business that's got, say it's a million dollars in, in EBITDA or profit, whatever you want to call it, your, your management team for a buyer has to look much different than if that's five or $10 million in profit. And once it gets up there to a certain point and that, you know, it's around the $5 million mark, you must have, well, not must, but if you want to get the money, you really should. You want to have a CEO and executive management team that can develop and execute a five-year strategy. If you don't have that, you're likely going to drop your the, the value of your business by 30 to 50%. And that's millions and millions of dollars. And I've seen it in the tens of millions of dollars. Wow. And it's it's something that you you really need to understand. And this is another thing that the advisory board members can bring that as the business owner, it was it was, uh, you know, Janet, she was she was making this stuff with her hands. And now she's she's got other people making this stuff. And now she's got, you know, 100 people making this stuff. Janet's still thinking Janet's still, you know, in her mind. She's been able to lead enough people to get up there. But now Janet is at the point that Janet wants to capitalize and really generate the wealth that she wants to generate from this business and and leave it and sell it and do something else. That's a significant inhibitor to it. And these these boards, there's multifaceted approach that they can help all the way through the life cycle of of an owner being in it to, mm -hmm. to make that to maximize this. But I just want to say. We've gone on here for a while now, and it seems like this, this, uh, and it's a shame that we couldn't have Scott here because his operational perspective would have been really helpful. And we'll, I'll have to have him come back and talk about that with us again later. But I want to thank you guys for being here today and just really talk about some of the ways you can drive your business success with an advisory board. Some of the situations where that advisory board might be applicable. And then some of the, some of the ways that the advisory boards can help. So, mm -hmm. Steve, always good to have yeah, you on. For, thanks for having yep. us. It's been a yep. great yep. conversation today. Yeah. Yep. And John, awesome to see you again and love the knowledge you. that you share. So thanks so yep. much, guys. I want to thank everyone else listening today, too. We will be back again next week 
with more guests sharing interesting information. And we're out for now. Thanks, everyone. Hey, Damon, thank you so much.